before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So we're going to talk about this trans thing a little bit. I got banned on Facebook again because I posted this meme that said, Affirm my identity or we'll shoot your kids. Trans terrorism, Nashville Covenant School, media reports are careful to protect the school shooters' preferred pronouns even after the lunatic shot and killed little kids. You know, it's um, it's what's going on, right? I mean, it's almost surreal that Facebook is protecting this class. And when you listen to the sheriff talking about, you know, they show the gun, they show, but they won't show the manifesto. You can't see that. I wonder what this, you know, I wonder what the drugs were that this person was taking. Audrey, this woman. Uh, I think they're calling them Aiden or something like that, or Hayden. Um, you know, by the, they're they're making sure that they call this person by his correct pronoun or her, her correct pronoun. And it's ridiculous. You know, the problem isn't the gun, obviously. We we have this conversation every time there's a shooting. And every time there's a shooting, it seems like there's some mental illness involved. When you think about it, you know, you have, um, let's see, the Colorado Spring Shooter identified as non-binary. Huh. Why'd they do that? Right? And the Denver Shooter identified as trans, purple hair, or, yeah, purple-pink hair. And then this guy, the Aberdeen shooter, identified as trans. Now the Nashville shooter identifies as trans. And you wonder, what's the attraction to being a freak? Or... You know, not reeling it in. What What is the... 
Where is the mentors in the uh, in these people's lives? Where is the leadership? Where are the parents? It turns out that the Nashville shooter, their their mother uh, was an anti-gun person, right? So anti-gun says here, parents of school shooter Audrey Elizabeth Hale knew she'd be she'd bought at least one weapon. So the parents of the school shooter, Audrey Elizabeth Hale, knew she'd bought at least one weapon while under psychiatric care. Huh. You think that could have been a so-called red flag? You know what I'm talking about when I say red flag, right? These unconstitutional red flag laws. They only seem to apply, though, to Trump supporters. You know. And living under their roof at age 28... Another clue, right? This person can't go to school, can't go away on their own when they're 18. But I knew she was hiding something in a red bag, but didn't investigate. Turns out she'd stockpiled seven weapons. Seven. Meanwhile, she passed background checks on real. The feds failed yet again. And so did the mental health system. Bingo. I mean, that's the problem, right? There's no money to be made in mental health, someone writes in. It will never be fixed. Family tries to dump them somewhere for help. They spend a week or so, and they, they're out. You know, one of the things would be helpful is if we could incarcerate the known villains off the street and get them off the street, there would be less to decipher, right? Maybe if we had better streets... With less riffraff, we could see the forest from the trees. Right now, there's so much noise that you you can't tell who's crazy and who's not. We have no standards, folks. I was playing this video from the 1930s in London, and I think I mentioned this last week, but everybody's walking around, they're thin, because they weren't bioengineered, their food wasn't bioengineered and processed, and they weren't eating boxes of cereal and candy and endless amounts of sugar and soda pop. I mean, they had soda pop back then, but you know, they were they they had to walk to work more than they did do now, and, and uh, they just led, led a more active lifestyle. The food that they ate was less so-called organic, you know, Whole Foods scares me because I've seen on receipts, especially the ones that have been posted, they say some of your food's been bioengineered. It says it right on the receipt. A lot of it's been sprayed with chemicals. You don't know what's going on. But somehow we're getting fatter and we're getting dumber. Did you hear the latest? The latest testing indicates that our, our, we're becoming a more ignorant population. Isn't that uh, what they want? They want a less informed population? Of course, those are the people that listen to Rachel Maddow talk, or Don Lemon, or whoever on CNN and MSNBC, 
who are basically spoon-fed a bunch of BS that's nowhere near the truth. And they spin because they're paid by corporate. They're paid by multinational corporations who are owned by BlackRock, who are friends with the World Economic Forum, who are pushing agendas that maximize their profits by controlling people, by corralling slave labor into China and India and making sure that that happens, they enforce climate initiatives in the West so that we can't manufacture. It's illegal to basically try to create a life for yourself. It's illegal to set up shop if your smokestack blows out too much smoke. It's illegal to hire somebody for an affordable wage. Just now, um, there's another uh, story here that I talked about all week, but Fox News just put it out. Last week, I was two weeks ago, I was talking about this. U.S. states looking to boost minimum wage to $20 as inflation issues continue. And there's people standing, protesting, saying we want 21 25 no caps, no off-ramps, no compromises, raise the wage. It was just a minute ago that they were wanting $15 a minimum wage. And of course, these morons don't understand that they're not worth 20, it's not worth paying $21.25 to flip a burger or you know, put a dress on the rack. Working in retail or working at a fast food shop doesn't merit that kind of bank. And the problem with this is they're going to be replaced by automation. People aren't going to buy in brick and mortar. They're just going to buy on Amazon. They're not going to buy an expensive burger. They're going to, there's going to be a new burger company. You know how Netflix put Blockbuster out of business? Remember that? Because they adapted to this online streaming system. Well, the same thing's going to happen if these fast food restaurants don't adapt to a whole new way of doing things. And what it is, is going to be robots in the kitchen, um, controlled by one person. People are going to go into the kiosks and... You know, basically these robots, people are going to put an order in. The robot's going to kick into gear. You're going to get a fresh new sandwich and everything's going to be done automatically. All you'll need is somebody to fill the box. And it's, it's, that's all it's going to be. You might have an order taker. You won't even have an order taker, but it's already being done. You place your order, you, you press the intercom button, and the person speaking to you is actually in another country. They're not even at that precinct or that location. When they take your order, drive around to the front, pick up your order. No, it's going to be all kiosk, QR codes and kiosks. Nobody's going to be paying twenty-one twenty-five an hour or $20 an hour for minimum wage. It's, it's cost prohibitive. So people are going to be out of work. They're going to have, really, and then you have AI, artificial intelligence, doing customer service, and you have robots 
doing all the work, what's the meaning of life? And there are these globalists that will say, we're just going to be bottom-feeding eaters, right? Consumers. Just We're just eating. We'll have zero value. You should hear these people talk. I've heard these speeches. And it's enough to make you sick. I just posted this before the show. I said, we have to address the mental illness crisis in our country and redistribution of wealth, open borders, carbon control regulations, woke justice, and the endless corruption without redistribu- uh, without re- endless corruption without retribution and aggravate our uh, aggravations a country hooked on drugs video games and social media would rather do without rigged elections without consequences is definitely not the answer you know we really do have to address this mental illness crisis in our country how do we tackle it i mean there's so much dividing that's going on in a psyop from our government. You know, and it started with Barack Obama when he was talking to Joe the plumber and he said, we're going to spread it around a little bit. And all the SEI union workers were like, we love you, Obama, because it's like, oh, more for me. I want to get something out of that guy's pocket. When they talk about student loan forgiveness, you don't have to pay your loans. You're a liberal student. The middle-class worker that's shoveling dirt for a living has to foot your bill. The guy that's laying pipe or setting the electricity for the house or building a deck on the back or building a roof. You know, the guy that's busting his hump, trying to, uh, busting his rump, I should say, busting his rump uh, every day has to foot the bill for somebody some soy boy, trans student, because they want to, you know, study humanity and human studies and how crickets fly. You know, I mean, it's crazy stuff. Half the degrees that are being dished out aren't worthy of a job. And these professors, I heard somebody say it was really good. I think it was my my father said it, actually. Something to the effect of um, the professor. Um, you don't know anything. You know, if you're a professor, it used to be that if you're, you know, like smart like a professor, it's now it's sort of like dumb like a professor. Professors seem to be like the dumbest people on the planet because they're just merely regurgitating things they've read. They jump through hoops and get degrees. It's a lot like our military. You get a you get a you get a pin and a badge for, for and an award for just about like sneezing. And and now we've become so woke in so many ways. I mean it's not the same military where you had to earn it. You had to work hard and you had to have some sort of honor. Now they're changing the language. You have to say the word partner instead of wife or husband because they don't want you to re- they don't want you to acknowledge whether you're straight or gay. 
They want to hide the fact. You know, it used to be, don't tell people what your religion is. Don't tell people how much money you make. And don't tell people, you know, like your profession or or whatever. Uh, Don't tell people um, a lot of things. But now it's getting to the point where you can't even tell people you're married to a wife for a, a, a husband. Because that that's re, that reveals whether you're heterosexual or not. So they want to hide that by using the word partner. And it gets rid of the stigma. Because, you know, if a guy says, my partner, right away, the first thing you think is, he's gay. And should you pass judgment? No, you shouldn't pass judgment on that guy. If he wants to do that, that's fine. But don't become a political militant group and shoot me because I don't agree with you, your pronoun. And that's where I think the trans has gone too far. I think that the LBGTQ is really upset with the trans aggression because they've become militant. They've become a terrorist group. And they're all bundled into one package. You know why? Because they all they all serve at the at the trough of Joe Biden and the liberal agenda. They're all on the same agenda. And then when half of your your agenda goes rogue, half of your partners go rogue, you're no longer a fighting force. You're no longer a voting bloc that can be counted on. I think that in a lot of ways, the LBGDQ community is probably going to move over to the, to the right. But nevertheless, this is an attack on religion and we know it. So again, I said we have to address the mental illness crisis in our country and redistribution of wealth, open borders, carbon control regulations, woke justice, and endless corruption without retribution are aggravations that a country hooked on drugs, video games, and social media would rather do without. Rigged elections without consequences is definitely not the answer. We can't handle it anymore. This this where the criminals get set free and people like Trump and, and the supporters of Jay Trump are locked in jail over for crimes they didn't even commit. And even those companies that we've loved so much and so dearly, like Hershey, has betrayed America. Disney has betrayed America. Hershey Company has adopted a DEI regime that includes racial quotes, quotas, racial quotas, avert racial discrimination and Orwellian sessions for unconscious bias training. So we filed a, so Stephen Miller filed a complaint with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity uh, Committee. So America First Legal Center for Legal asked the U.S. Equal Opportunity Employment Opportunity Commission to open a civil rights investigation of the Hershey Company for engaging in unlawful discriminatory hiring practices. Darn tootin. But they endorse this um, trans person that basically supports this militant agenda. I say, don't go to Hershey Park. What else can you do? You can't really give them your money. So Stephen Miller also wrote, the left's constant, vile, unrelenting lies about conservatives, Christians, and Republicans, accusing them of genocide, slandering them as Nazis, likening them to the worst villains of history, has created an incredibly unsafe environment 
and spurred extremely unstable individuals. And Sean Davis writes a reply to that and says, that's the point. The left engages in these campaigns for the purpose of inciting violence against their enemies, crisis pregnancy centers, churches, federal judges, Supreme Court justices, in this case, Christian school children and their teachers. Of course. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, is allowing Amazon to keep selling trans rights or else t-shirts after the mass shooting in Nashville by a transgender activist. Meanwhile, Elon Musk for president shirts have been banned. Right? But but basically, Elon Musk, Twitter's been banning a lot of people over this issue. Marjorie Taylor Greene's congressional uh, tw- Twitter account got banned because she was acknowledging that just around the corner this weekend coming up, there's going to be trans uh, a transgression march. So this whole trans rights or else, there's a picture of all these long guns on the T-shirt. It says trans rights or else we're going to shoot you. We're going to kill you. So when I put a meme up with this dude with whiskers and blue hair and basically quoted that T-shirt, Facebook banned me. You're not allowed to even acknowledge that the truth is going on. I mean, right there on the view, on the view, no less, right? You got, um, you got the, uh, I guess they're doing the 80 for Brady um, push. And you get um, Jane Fonda and and a whole bunch of others. Um, but Jane Fonda is up there speaking. And this is what she says. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to hear this. But listen to this. We, we will get a Nobel Prize. But it's the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But We're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well, it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> murder. She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run with it. Yeah, that's the worst. She's Joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... Let me ask... <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism. Which is- yeah, Jane, Jane uh, turned, betrayed her Ameri- the American soldiers in Vietnam that were in prison camps and basically resulted in their deaths. What a scumbag Jane Fonda has been her entire life. And she and, and John Kerry were, were uh, campaigning together during that time. John Kerry is no different than, than Jane Fonda. They were probably sleeping together, but they were definitely campaigning together and stumping together on this anti-war campaign. But the way they went about doing it, because we all want peace, but to betray your country and to have that kind of a vile position of murdering your opposition, anybody who disagrees with you should be shot cold is insane. You got NPR. So uh, Tucker Carlson last week reported on this. Tucker Carlson was driving down the road, heard NPR, and, you know, basically he's talking about this NPR NPR segment. And NPR is traditionally anti-gun. And what happened was, turned out NPR was pro-gun. So... When it comes to trans 
gender aggression. There's one group in America that can have guns, and that's the mentally ill trans movement. They should have guns to protect themselves from right-wing aggression. They're trying to basically say, you're intolerant, and that if you see a trans person, you're going to want to kill them, so they should kill you first. When, in fact, it's never been the case. You look at all the shooters, they're all trans. And not only that, but it's always been... You know, it always blows up in their face, doesn't it? I, I mean, it's uncanny how often these hoaxes, these these things, like Jesse Smollett. Turns out, no, it wasn't MAGA country. It was it was Jesse Smollett country that that basically made this whole sick thing up. Bubba Wallace and NASCAR and the noose, again, all made up. The Russian hoax. Turns out Russia wasn't so bad. It was it was Hillary Clinton that was bad. And I can go on and on with these things. It turns out Alexander Vindman is the, the dork. The corrupt guy. That wants to actually become a general in the Ukraine army. It's, it's, it wasn't Donald Trump's congratulatory call with Zelensky. Who basically said, we really need to clean up the corruption. If you want to be a legit country. Because you're totally not legit and not worth a penny. And so here was Tucker Carlson last week citing an NPR radio segment from February uh, 26th. February 26th. This is a while ago. This is about three weeks ago or a month ago. More than a month ago, right? So my point is is that this government-paid-for NPR libtard radio set the ground, laid the groundwork for trans aggression. And as a result, we had the shooting. Now, this Tucker segment was before the shooting in Tennessee. Before the shooting. He didn't know about the shooting. It didn't happen yet. Okay. So let's take a listen. So you can imagine our surprise. The other day, we're driving through Cambridge in the old hybrid Subaru, adjusting our surgical masks to cover both nose and mouth, and listening, needless to say, to National Public Radio, the voice of menopausal liberalism. And as we're listening, we hear this. We're going to play it for you and see if you can understand our total shock. Mass shootings targeting LGBTQ spaces and a rise in anti-trans rhetoric have inspired some queer people to take up arms. New Hampshire's public radio Todd Bookman joined a monthly gathering of a gun group that sees firearms as key to their own self-defense. And as you might imagine, this story does include the sound of gunfire. On a recent Sunday morning, the parking lot of Pawtuckaway State Park in southeastern New Hampshire is filling up with hikers. There's also a different crew packing up warm clothes and weapons. Thank you all for coming to uh, Rainbow Reload. <laughs> Your anti-trans rhetoric makes the trans community carry guns. Rainbow Reload! They're packing heat. There'll be appendix carrying in more ways than one. Watch out. Wait a second, we thought. This is NPR, National Public Radio, suddenly telling you that actually guns are good. They're valuable tools of self-defense really against you. The Biden administration hired a kid 
to oversee nuclear waste disposal whose only qualification was his sexual fetishes. So no, there's not genocide going on. There's some weird affirmative action program going on. But if you listen to NPR, you wouldn't know that. And that kind of talk might scare the heck out of you. And if they encourage you to go get a gun and arm yourself because Nazis are taking over Vermont, you might do it. Again, we're as for guns as you could possibly be. But this seems like an incitement. You know, guns, uh, Nazis taking over Vermont is like, you know, two uh, guys wearing MAGA hats at three in the morning in in Chicago, right? You know, like Jesse Smollett created. Um, It just doesn't make sense. You know, none of this makes sense. That It's all a ruse. Why are they doing it, though? That's the question, right? And you know why. But I thought that Tucker Carlson's um, open last night was so perfect that um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play it for you because he nailed all the salient points in such an articulate way that I wanted to share with my audience. I normally like to do my own punditry and my own monologue and my own talk. And, and you know, I love doing that. But um, this particular, the way he put it, uh, was just superb. And so I want you to take a listen to this. If you haven't heard it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow you away. It's really, really does address this whole trans event uh, very well. Let's take a listen. It was just last week that we noticed that parts of the transgender movement seem to be getting militant and possibly dangerous. We did a whole segment about it on Thursday night. That segment was sparred by an NPR segment we had heard and never expected to hear. NPR has always, as a matter of editorial policy, completely opposed the civilian ownership of firearms, with the possible exception of maybe IRS agents. Yet here suddenly was that very same station, National Public Radio, positively urging trans people to buy guns, as many guns as possible, and if necessary, to use them. The world is dangerous, explained one trans gun owner. You have to be dangerous back. And that seems strange to us. Is the United States really a dangerous place for trans people? Well, West Baltimore is dangerous. You could easily get murdered there. But if you're trans in this country, obviously there are many downsides, but there do appear to be some benefits. It's a lot easier to get into Harvard, for example. It's definitely easier to get a job at Citibank or in the Biden White House. If you're transgender and so much as fly a kite, the Pentagon will happily make you an F-35 pilot just so Hollywood can make a movie about it. Identifying as trans, whatever, again, its downsides, does convey status in this country, which is why so many young people now do. Not a lot of 19-year-olds are pretending to be car mechanics or linemen for a regional power company in eastern Ohio, but plenty of college freshmen do pretend to be members of the opposite sex. And why wouldn't they? The people in charge despise working-class whites, but they venerate the trans community. People are just responding to incentives. It's rational in a way. But that does not explain the anger that we heard in that NPR segment. Why are some trans people so angry, and why do they seem to be mad specifically at traditional Christians? We can't think of any trans person who's ever been murdered by a pastor. As far as we know, that has never happened. So it's not an actual threat of violence from Christians that's inspiring some trans people to buy AR-15s. No, it's, it's got to be more fundamental than that, and it is. The trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity, and therefore its natural enemy. 
In Christianity, the price of admission is admitting that you're not God. Christians openly concede that they have no real power over anything, and for that matter, very little personal virtue. They will tell you to your face that they are sinful and helpless and basically absurd. They're not embarrassed about any of this. They brag about it. That saved a wretch like me, goes the most famous Christian hymn ever written in English. The trans movement takes the opposite view. Trans ideology claims dominion over nature itself. We can change the identity we were born with, they will tell you with wild-eyed certainty. Christians can never agree with this statement because these are powers they believe God alone possesses. That unwillingness to agree, that failure to acknowledge a trans person's dominion over nature, incites and enrages some in the trans community. People who believe they're God can't stand to be reminded that they're not. So Christianity and transgender orthodoxy are wholly incompatible theologies. They can never be reconciled. They are on a collision course with each other. One side is likely to draw blood before the other side. That's what we concluded last week. Yesterday morning, tragically, our fears were confirmed. A self-identified trans person called Audrey Hale committed mass murder at a Christian school in Nashville. Hale burst into a place called the Convent School and executed three nine-year-olds as well as three adults. Police have released body cam footage from the end of the massacre. We're showing you just a small part of it. You can see the rest online if you want. We're not going to show it because that's too awful and sad. But what was almost as sickening to see in a far more subtle and insidious way was the media coverage of yesterday's tragedy. Here's Terry Moran of ABC News, for example, suggesting that Christians were murdered in Tennessee because they infringed on the rights of transgendered people. Watch. Audrey Hale was a, identified herself as a transgender person. Uh, at state of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors, as well as uh, a law that prohibited adult entertainment, including male and female impersonators after a series of drag show controversies in that state. The state of Tennessee bans the sexual mutilation of children. Children get shot to death in a school. It's cause and effect. That's what ABC News is telling you. That's not far from justifying mass murder. But others took the next step. A group called the Trans Resistance Network said that the shooter's death was a complex tragedy that resulted from, quote, anti-trans bias. The Hershey Chocolate Company's new trans spokesman, meanwhile, someone called Faye Johnstone, posted messages after the shooting complaining about, quote, trans misogyny. In Canada, a taxpayer-funded trans rights organization put out a statement that ignored the murder of the children in Nashville entirely and instead claimed that there has been a, quote, exponential rise in anti-trans violence. That is a lie. It's a provable lie. And in fact, the opposite is true. We seem to be watching the rise of trans terrorism. The man who tried to murder Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh after the repeal of Roe v. Wade identified as a, quote, trans gamer girl. The man who shot up a nightclub in Colorado in this past November and murdered five people identified as non-binary. And now this. And there could be more. Antifa has announced this coming Saturday is the, quote, trans day of vengeance. Vengeance for what? That's not explained. But the suggestion is there will be violence in Washington this weekend. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted about this today, because if there's a day of vengeance coming, the rest of us should probably know about it. 
And for doing so, immediately had her, had her official congressional Twitter account suspended. You're not supposed to talk about any of this, apparently. And the authorities in Nashville certainly are not planning to talk about it. They're doing their best not to. Here's the police chief of Nashville explaining that while he's happy to talk about the shooter's guns, he's not going to tell you anything about the shooter's motives. Watch. So in the manifesto, there's several different writings about other locations. Uh, there were locations, uh, there was uh, talks about um, the school. There was a map of the school, a drawing of how uh, potentially she would enter and the assaults that would take place. Uh, there's it's quite a bit of uh, writing to it. I have not read the whole, the entire manifesto. Our team and the FBI has been working uh, on this. Well, that's interesting. Within what seemed like minutes, we saw pictures of the rifles and the pistol. We now have horrifying body cam footage from within the school. So unsettling, we're not going to show it to you. But somehow we can't see the manifesto in which the killer explains why she killed. Why is that? It's not accidental. Well, you know exactly why it is. Because it would make the obvious undeniable. The trans movement is targeting Christians, including with violence. Most Christian leaders in this country don't want to admit that. Admitting it might force them to take deeply unfashionable positions. But it is true, and anyone who's paying attention knows that it's true. And so, like most true things at this point, it is officially suppressed. Here, for example, is Joe Biden yelping again about how it's all your fault when these tragedies happen because you've got guns at home. This is from yesterday. We have to do more to stop gun violence. It's ripping our communities apart, ripping the soul of this nation, ripping at the very soul of the nation. And we, we have to do more to protect our schools so they aren't turned into prisons. You know, uh, the shooter in this situation reportedly had two assault weapons and a pistol, two AK-47. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. So we're going to prevent you from learning why the shooter did it. And we don't have to guess because she wrote a whole manifesto about why she did it. And we know that she did that because she told a friend of hers on Instagram that she did it. But we can't see it. We can only talk about the guns. We can't know what kind of drug she was taking, what kind of hormones or SSRIs or benzodiazepines. We can only guess. We can only talk about the guns. Pass my assault weapons ban. That'll fix the problem. But Joe Biden is lying about that. He knows that he's lying, and you know that he's lying. Yesterday's massacre did not happen because of lax gun laws. Yesterday's massacre happened because of a deranged and demonic ideology that is infecting this country with the encouragement of people like Joe Biden. Let's start by being honest about that. Absolutely. Um, I thought that open was great. And, you know, it is true. Joe Biden met said AK-47. He also equivocated uh, Iraqi war veterans uh, with post-traumatic uh, stress disorder uh, and equivocated that with teachers in a classroom. You know, I mean, this guy is completely out of touch, would say and do anything for political gain. He is a swamp creature from the very first order. Um, 50 years in Washington uh, pollutes your soul. And term limits really ought to apply to someone like Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden, who will say and do anything for political partisanship and power over people 
They don't care about the people they want to have power over. They don't have a vision. They have a need for greed. I mean, how much money do they need? How much more money does Joe Biden need for his family? They're treating this this corruption like a scoreboard. How much can I get? How much can you spend? It's just absurd. But there's got to be some someone out there that's principled enough to not sell themselves out for money and to lead this country. The closest thing I think I've ever seen is Donald Trump, who didn't even take a paycheck while he served. It's frustrating to see what we've become. Josh Hawley was uh, on, on the Hill yesterday and talking with Mayorkas, who is just a lying son of a gun. I remember a speech that Joe Biden gave in 2015 where he said that eventually, soon, by 2017, I think he said, America is going to be a white, uh, white minority country. And that's a good thing, he said. And he basically was advocating for open borders. And who was sitting, and this is 2015 when Biden was vice president, who was sitting to Biden's left but Mayorkas? This has been their agenda all along. It's a videotape. You could listen to it. It's readily available. Mayorkas and Biden have been joined at the hip, just like um, Biden and Blinken. Blinken was the person who covered up all the Chinese funding that was going into the Biden Center at the Penn University. And naturally, then now the ambassador to Germany is Amy Gutman, the Penn, uh, former Penn president. I mean, this is all crony cronyism right here, political cronyism. So let's take a listen to this Josh Hawley um, exchange with Mayorkas. Mr. Secretary, thank you for being here. Let me start with what I hope is a simple question. Do we need to have more or fewer people coming to our southern border? Uh, Senator, Senator, we are working on diminishing the number of people whom we encounter at our southern border because of the challenge it presents. We're trying to build lawful, safe, and orderly pathways to accomplish that. Okay, fewer. We need to have fewer, which means we need to roll back incentives to come. So I, I I would have thought that would have been the answer. Let's talk about what you're doing, though. In January of this year, you rolled out a new phone app called CBP1, an app for a cell phone. I've got a picture of it behind me here. This phone app allows, and I'm going to quote from your own fact sheet, it allows, and I quote, non-citizens without appropriate documents for admission to schedule an appointment to come to the border. They can now go on their phone and schedule a time to come to the border and then be admitted. And you identified seven separate border points of entry where they could come. Five of them in Texas, two of them in California, one in Arizona. It's like a concierge service for illegal immigrants. My question is, you didn't think the border crisis was bad enough that now we're going to have an app that allows 
illegals to schedule their appointments and come and be admitted to this country? Uh, Senator, you're mischaracterizing the use of the application. Let me let me explain it to you. Uh, we are currently enforcing the public health order of Title 42, and I know you're very familiar with it. There is a process for individuals who claim an exception to the Title 42 expulsion authority because of an acute medical uh, uh, condition. Well, let's talk uh, about this urgent, app. If I, if I may finish, an urgent, um, um, an urgent humanitarian reason. So f- instead of them coming in between the ports of entry to claim that urgent medical condition, that extraordinarily um, uh, acute humanitarian cause, we allow a limited number to arrive at our ports of entry and seek the emergency relief that they need. Schedule you you allow them. Let's let's be let, let let's be particular about and what I you should do. Say you that the al- CBP one app was not uh, unveiled for the first time on January fifth of this year. Oh, oh no! It but was- you changed it. You made it available on January fifth to the illegals themselves. You don't have to be a lawyer to use it. You don't have to be a member of a non governmental organization. Anybody can download the app and use it on their phone, and for the first time, you allow them to schedule appointments. Now, let's talk about what actually happens when they come to the border. It's interesting. You characterized this when you rolled it out as an application for applying for asylum, but nowhere on the app do you actually require the illegal migrants to apply for asylum or to claim asylum or anything about asylum. And in fact, when they then get to the border... You don't ask them questions. You don't do interviews. You just release them. Here's the Texas Monthly, not a notable conservative outlet, who reports, and I quote, at no point does the app ask users, are you seeking asylum? Those arriving for the CBP-1 appointments are given no interviews, asked no questions about vulnerabilities that they may or may not have listed in the app or about why they're coming to the United States. They're simply released into the country, end quote. So rather than building a wall, Mr. Secretary, you have built Ticketmaster for illegal immigrants. You are, um, Senator, you are conflating programs. Let me, let me explain well, just, to just you. Just respond to this. Is it true that they are given no interviews, asked no questions, and simply released into the country? Let me explain to you what we announced on January 5th. No, no I want you to explain but, to me what's happening. I, I know what you oh, announced. So, I read it to you. So I, so I will explain to you. What is happening? Are they given because, interviews? Because Let's start with that. Are they given interviews? We were previously experiencing this, almost, that's starting almost, to sound like a no. Well, let's just 90, let's just hone in here, Mr. Almost, Secretary. My time is is very limited. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to drive to some clarity here. But Are they, the Texas Monthly has reported that once illegal immigrants go on their phone and reserve their time to come to the border, once they use your concierge service that you've created for them, when they come, they are given no interviews. They are asked no questions about any vulnerabilities. They are simply released into the country. Is that happening? Uh, Senator, you are mistaken. And if I may explain. Are they given interviews? If I may explain. Individuals who seek parole under our January 5th program for Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans are screened and vetted before they arrive at our border. That wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, they, they, go on an, they go on the phone and they I, just reserve a time and then they show up and they're not given, they're given nothing. Listen to this. Even immigration advocates are amazed about this. Here, also from the Texas Monthly, here's one immigration advocate whose first name is Orta. She says, that's the crazy part. Nothing in this new program requires you to actually seek asylum. Somehow, 
We've decided to punish those who arrive at the border without the app who may be seeking asylum, but we just let in anybody who may or may not have any particular reason to seek asylum so long as they've made an appointment on your Ticketmaster app. (laughs) It's true. I mean, this is just the most insane thing we've ever seen. This is to expedite people coming through the border. And it's also part of a way to track them and give them an ID. And this app is allowing the government to collect the identification data, confirm it when they come to the uh, the border, and then let them in, right? So it's creating a magnet for people to come across the border illegally. But where this app is designed to wreak havoc on our country is this Ticketmaster app is that what they're doing is they're giving them an ID and on the back end of that, they're passing this information along to get them a ballot, a a voter registration, sort of like the motor voter laws, right? So they collect the information and they're able to then farm farm out that information that database of trove of information and get those that database of information registered to vote simply by checking a box and allowing all of those people that sign up with the app to get a ballot sent to them at a certain location to be picked up by a ballot harvester to then be filled out for the Democrat candidates as needed with no signature verification and then dropped in a box over the course of 40 days, 30 days before and 10 days after, uh, in some cases, for these elections. And that's how they're rigging the elections. That's how it is that the mail-in ballots are trending 90% for Democrats. It's it's fraud, out and out fraud, man. It's crazy fraud. And Ronan McDaniel will just sit there and, and let it happen. Our politicians are just letting it happen. Here is Ted Cruz with the same guy, Mayorkas. Good morning, Secretary Mayorkas. Good morning. Is there a crisis at our southern border? Senator, uh, there is a very significant... That's a yes or no question. There's a very significant... Is there a crisis? Senator, there's a very significant challenge... I think your microphone is not on. There is a very significant challenge that we are facing... Yes or no, is there a crisis? I believe I've addressed that question, So you're refusing to answer? Senator, uh, there is a very significant challenge and we are Will you answer if there's a crisis? Therefore, we are dedicating the resources. Okay, so you're refusing to answer. Well, Secretary Mayorkas, I'll tell you someone who is willing to answer, which is your and President Biden's chief of the Border Patrol, in a sworn deposition in July of 2022, when asked, would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Answer, yes. Notice, none of those wiggle words, none of that equivocation. One word, one syllable, yes. Are you willing to speak with the same clarity as Chief Ortiz? Is there a crisis at our southern border, yes or no? Senator, I'm very proud to work alongside. Oh, you refuse to answer. Let me ask you the next question. 
Has the crisis at our southern border made Americans less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we are dedicated to the safety. Has the crisis made Americans less safe? I don't, I don't want a, a discourse. It's a yes or no question. Senator, we have a challenge of You refuse to answer the question. Not. Sec Mr. Secretary, let me show you how someone doing his job answers a question in a straightforward manner. Chief Ortiz, is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Answer, yes. One word, one syllable, three letters. That's how someone answers a question and does their job. You're being a politician misleading the American people. Let me give you a chance again. Will you show the same integrity Chief Ortiz shows? Is the crisis at the southern border making Americans less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we have 260,000 You refuse to answer the question. Let's move on. And security of the Next American question, people. Mr. Mayorkas. Has the crisis made aliens less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we are seeking... So you won't answer that question either? If you... It, it is... It's a yes or no. Has it made aliens less safe? Senator, smugglers are exploiting... Has the crisis by... made aliens, yes, less safe? Are you willing to answer it? Senator, the smuggling organizations... Okay. So it goes on like that for quite a long time. It was a great, great exchange. I posted it up on uh, one of my social medias. Um, just a couple of other laundry things before we have to head out of Dodge. The UN Security Council did not accept Russia's resolution on the establishment of a commission to investigate the sabotage at Nord Stream. The resolution was supported by three countries, Russia, China, and Brazil. No one voted against. Twelve abstained, and so it didn't pass. Um, Where's Fetterman? Severe depression treatment is normally seven to ten days, not five to six weeks, says Fox News' Dr. Mark Siegel. So where is Fetterman? What's going on there? Also, as soon as Washington State uh, Supreme Court upheld the new capital gains tax, there, uh, there, Fisher Investments announced plans to leave for Texas. That's what most companies, companies should do when states betray them financially. Also, uh, one other laundry list, Ottawa blacklisted 201 companies sim sympathetic to the Freedom Convoy, the truckers. That was another one. BRICS countries in 2014 used $50 billion in seed funds to create an alternative to the IMF. This is hysterical because where do you think they got the seed funds? From the IMF itself. So that's how stupid our West is. We're being outplayed at every turn. And exports to India from Russia have increased 22-fold. So thank you very much. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapac.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com for your promo code, Red State. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Goodbye, everybody. Mr. Mary, my kids right up to there.